people want to believe. We just tell each other, just read the Bible. But what happens when it isn't so easy to understand? This is No God. Welcome to the No God Podcast. I am Micah. I'm here today with my dad, Tony Kafka. Hey, Micah. And my mom, Sandy. Hi. So what do we have today to talk about? Well, today our topic is follows the question of, is everything that happens God's will? This question comes from people who are kind of struggling. Typically, they're struggling with something that bad has happened to them or someone that they love or just world events. And they just, because there is this view that, it, that they hear uh, that everything that happens, God is making it happen, or at least God has willed that to happen. And so it raises a legitimate question. So is the answer yes or no, and this is going to be really short? Well, it's not going to be short. <laughs> but, uh, but actually, we want to just kind of paint uh, from a couple of Bible stories and all, uh, answers to this, but also to realize that not everyone is going to have, there's not like an absolute middle spot of agreement. There is kind of a spectrum of how people view this, that probably right. because we're just human beings, it's always going to be some variance of how each of us values this. But we have to think about the consequences of the position that we might take on yeah. this. How often does this question come up for you? Uh, well, in one form or another, uh, a lot of times, but it tends to be tends to be people who have either gone to church a lot or mm -hmm. have read philosophy Okay. Because they have kind of a, a framework of there's the philosophical schools of determinism versus free will as far right, as human right. nature goes. And so those all come into play. And actually in our era right now where everything is so driven by scientific information and discoveries or uh, studies that there, we live in a time that tends to be very deterministic. Uh, that is that individuals have a lot of things happening within inside of their own minds or without you know outside of their lives that they have no control over it's all kind of like a script that's already been written and they're just kind of stuck in the flow of it and right. so that then transfers back to theology of well so are we just in a flow of history that god has already willed and determined and we don't really have any choice in the matter right well i've often had people say to me well, if it happened, then it was obviously God's will. And that seems to be, for some people, that feels like a, I'm being submissive to the will of God. So if it happened, it was meant to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And meant to be, if you're a Christian, means that God meant it to be. If you're not a Christian, it means there's some other big flow of time and space continuum right. that we're caught in. Yeah, I hear that come up a lot with, I mean, a lot of things, relationships, jobs, uh, just, you know, someone's trying to go for a job, they don't get it, then obviously God didn't want them to have that job. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it hits a wide range of things where that would come up. Right. So we can jump into the uh, story of Joseph in the Old Testament, the story of Joseph, the son of Jacob, who had the 11 brothers oh, yeah, and yeah. all of that. Because it has... Coat of many colors, Joseph. Yeah, the yes. coat yes. of Technicolors. Or, yeah, that Technicolor <laughs> yeah, coat. Yeah, that's Technicolor modern. coat. Right. Technicolor dream coat is a musical. <laughs> that's not actually yes. how it's described in the Bible. Yes. They right. didn't have Technicolor. <clears throat> right. And so if you read the... If a person would read the... Because there's 50 chapters in Genesis. So just start at 
like Genesis 28 or so. But read it through the lens of the New Testament. Right. Yes. <laughs> Always. Yes. <laughs> but that is Joseph's story, as right. well as his brothers and his dad and all of that. And that's what we'll be referring to when we think about that. Because there is, in the very last chapter of Genesis, chapter 50, there is a summary statement made by Joseph that comes into play in this conversation. All right. Okay. So we need to tell the story of Joseph, first of all. Okay. Well, let's do that. So who's going to do that? Well, <laughs> if you told us ahead of time where you wanted to start, we might be able to Oh, I'd like to that. spring it on you. <laughs> Are we reading it? No, we're not. Well, we're not. We're going to read that verse, but actually, we're just going right. to summarize the story. So we know okay. that Jacob went. He was sent to his homeland, ancestral land, to get a wife. He ended up getting two plus two concubines. That's a whole other story, right there. But nonetheless, Lots of sons. He ends up with at least. <laughs> he ends up with at least one daughter, and he ends up with twelve sons. Yes. Can we take yes. a deep dive into that? Is that still something we should do? No. Okay. No, in fact, it wasn't even God's best plan for people back then, if we're talking about the will of God. Uh, But it was something that uh, happened because God allowed it to happen. And it was something that people chose to do. And it was a custom of that daytime. And and people could talk sociologically and historically about why that was a custom. Uh, And so anyway, but we're not going to get too far afield on that. Joseph ends up being the firstborn son of the in- first intended wife of Jacob. And Jacob loved Joseph more than his other kids. Super right. That's a parenting podcast that we need to there talk about. This is not, again, that's the point right. of this one. But that you know that is the deal. And so Joseph, interestingly enough, has dreams. Two in particular. And these dreams, as we follow his story were obviously from God. So it was a prophetic dream. Right. Mm-hmm. And in this prophetic dream, he... Is it the one with like the wheat like bowing with down the, to yes. other wheat or something? Yes. yes. That's the first dream. Okay. And yeah. so he, he goes... This is brilliant. This is brilliant family interaction for Joseph. He is naive enough, or he thinks oh, highly enough... I think the dreams made him arrogant. Okay. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Guess what I dreamed. Guess what I dreamed. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys were all wheat, and you bowed down to me. Yes. Eleven. Eleven sheaves of wheat bowed down to my to me and as a sheaf of wheat. And dad. Eleven. Oh, how many of them are there? Oh, there's eleven? Wow. <laughs> wow. Isn't that amazing? So his dream that he would be in a position of absolute leadership in... Amongst his brothers was yeah. the first dream. They didn't appreciate that dream at all. And, and then the second one, there's like moons and stars and stuff, yep, right? Stars and moon and sun. And okay. sun and moon. <clears throat> yeah, that's sun and mom, moon. That's the dad that's and mom, mom and, dad. and the brothers. And so then all of the, the other 11 stars bow down to him as the star. And even the moon and the sun bow down to him. And then his dad goes, okay, that's <laughs> enough of that. No, no, are YouTube for you. <laughs> yeah. Even though Joseph was the favorite son, even though Joseph had the coat of many colors, the which was a symbol of tribal leadership. Ah. So he already had that. And so what I, you know, dad is sitting there, Jacob, the dad is going, okay, that's enough of that kind of talk, son. Even though he's sitting there with the coat of many colors. <laughs> <on>. yeah. <laughs> what is the poor kid to think? No wonder he had some problems. But he, so anyway... As if you read that story, we know the story. It goes from that to then he is like the one that is the 
the manager or like the, the person that's going from dad to check on his brothers who are grazing the sheep through various areas in that region. Another wonderful parenting strategy. Yeah. <laughs> we are not doing a parenting lesson right now, but you can just gleam anything you want from this. <laughs> so Joseph is just tooling along on his merry way and his brothers one day go, here comes that dreamer again. And one of them, and we'll leave his name anonymous for this one. He just comes up with, hmm, you know what? Let's let's do something to him. <laughs> it sounds like your family, you boys, when you were growing up. Are you talking Tony. about my family? Yes, oh. yes you uh, Yeah. Anyway, sorry for the <laughs> And this ends with him being thrown in a hole, correct? Thrown in a hole, and yes. they are going to kill him. But then one of the brothers intercedes and says, no, no, we don't want to be guilty of his death, of his blood. Oh, that's good. And so then the other brother goes, well, so let's just sell him as a slave. And the other brother goes, Not okay, good. that's fine. He goes, that's <laughs> fine. And so they have him down in the well, in a hole that he can't get out of, cistern. And then it's lunchtime. And so they go have lunch. And the one brother is thinking, you know, when all the other brothers are kind of like doing the siesta thing, I'll go get him out of there and send Same, him back home yeah. and we'll be good. And they'll be mad at me, but they won't, they're not going to sell me as a slave because they really hate him. When he was the oldest. He was the oldest. Yes. So, and so he's yeah. trying to salvage something out of this situation. <laughs> I know this is like, this is the kind of thing that happens in life that, ask, that makes people ask, does everything that happened, God's making it happen. Yes, exactly. And so here, this and is a fun story. And he goes off somewhere because he's the not brother. there. So the brothers they... are probably out checking the field, you know, because being the older brother, again, we're reading a little bit into the story. Being the more responsible one, he decides he needs to go up to the top of the hill and take a look across the flocks and make sure that everything's okay. Because one thing that's not told in the story, but that was true, is that they had servants that also were watching these sheep. They were, oh, yeah. They weren't the only right. ones There's out there. There's another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And so while he's gone... Couple, some of the other brothers go, oh, here comes the Ishmaelites, another tribe outside of their clan, exactly. And <laughs> they sell him. Yep. The oldest brother comes back and looks down in the pit, and he goes, where Where's is Joseph? He? Where's Joseph? And they go, oh, well, we got a nice, tidy little price for him. He's on his way down the road. There was a great road. sale on Joseph's <laughs> this morning. <laughs> Oh my! Anyway, if you tuned into this podcast expecting to hear to to hear an answer to these questions, we'll get to it. (laughs) But we really do need to know this story for because we need to see the interplay of what people do and what God is doing. Yeah, because you got a setup of God obviously knows something's coming, knows what's going to be the end of this. Yeah, um, which then. Hearing it sort of sets up the events into happening. So it's a complicated Inter- dynamic. Yeah, dynamic and interplay of humans and God moving along a path of history. Joseph is sold. He's heading down the road. He ends up being sold to a high-ranking official of the Egyptian pharaoh. Right. And that story then he goes... He rises up in the ranks because he he doesn't focus on the fact that he got sold and he doesn't we don't we're not told why he doesn't yeah. get stuck on that stuff. It's just the mo- the story's moving along very quickly, and so we discovered that what he does is he just embraces the situation. He just grows in his responsibilities. He's good at executing things. Yeah. He becomes a leader, and he ends up running the household of that official named Potiphar. Yeah. So Joseph goes on and he rises up, and then. 
uh, the official's wife gets really interested in him. She basically propositions him to have sex. He avoids, he avoids, he stays away from it. She finally grabs him one time when he is alone and grabs a hold of his outer garment. And so she hangs on to that because now she's really torqued because Joseph won't uh, go to bed with her. Right. And so then she gives a false accusation to her husband that Joseph had tried to do that and she had resisted. And, and so then this was her proof that she had his code. And so then he gets sent to Pharaoh's prison, the, the, the prison, and he's ended up there for a couple of years. He gets, he again rises up in the ranks, becomes a manager in the prison. Mr. Manager in yeah, the prison. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how that works. It's hard for us in America to think of. the prisons of, were a little bit different run. Right. Yes. And so he becomes that. He then uh, has the opportunity that two prisoners from the Pharaoh's court, the baker and the wine taster, uh, are in prison. They both have dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams accurately. The end result is that one of them ends up dying. The other one ends up being released. And the one that gets released goes back to his job with Pharaoh, the wine taster, right. which means he's the guy that makes sure the Pharaoh's not trying to be poisoned. Fun job. Fun job. Yes. Mm-hmm. High risk job. <laughs> and then Pharaoh has a dream that troubles him. No one can interpret it. And the wine taster goes, oh, Yeah. A couple years ago, when I was still in prison, there was this guy that could interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh has Joseph brought to him. Joseph interprets the Pharaoh's dream. And then the Pharaoh decides, and Joseph suggests to him, well, you should have somebody really smart to organize things to avoid this great famine that's coming, to organize the crops ahead of time. So the dream kind of foretells a famine coming. Famine, and then seven years to prepare for it. And so Joseph says, so you need to store up X amount of grain. And he even had numbers for him and stuff. And he must have been reading the Wall Street Journal in prison because <laughs> he was aware of these well, e- would be economic like the, the factors. Nile Street Journal. Yeah, lots yeah, of time Nile to Street. think. Yeah, know, the, so. yeah. The well, Nile he was Mr. River. Manager in prison, so yeah. right. So he was yeah, anyway. <laughs> so Joseph then suggests that, and Pharaoh looks around at his court. And he's probably thinking, ah, uh, it's probably like a you know different presidents of the United States at times would surely look around their cabinet and go, is this as good as I can get right here? But. I don't want to get too far afield, but the Pharaoh <laughs> looks around and goes, none of these guys had any kind of idea of this stuff. So, uh, hey, you're the guy. And so Joseph then moves from being in prison management to managing the whole country to where he mm-hmm. is only answerable to the Pharaoh. All right. So that's the story. And so this process goes along and then the famine comes and his brothers come up and they have, again, there's a huge amount of story here. And the brothers have to come buy grain and Joseph sets in scenario ways to test them. Um, and in that testing process, the end result is that the 70 members of Joseph's extended tribal family then are moved to Egypt to, in order to survive the famine because of Joseph's high position in Egypt. Right. They are taken care of. And so then they go through that part of life. Joseph comes to the end of his life and his brothers, actually their dad is dying they're, the brothers are afraid now Joseph will take revenge. Right, right. So they come to him appealing to not take revenge on them because they said, and before dad died, he, he told us to tell you this. Right. <laughs> By the way, dad said, uh, remember that time you threw you in a hole and sold you into slavery? Please don't take that against us. And so that's where this verse that we want to um, refer to comes into play. 
So Genesis 50 verse 20 says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Right there in one sentence is the, the, this tandemness of people and God working their will. And no matter what is happening, no matter how much it seems like people are messing up mm-hmm. what God intends to do, God's will, his, his long-range will, his big-picture will prevails. And I believe that the answer to this question is everything that happens God's will is encapsulated in these stories and in this summary, this statement that came from Joseph. Yeah. That people meant it for evil, but God had a good plan in mind and God kept working his good plan and in some aspects used the consequences of the evil decisions of people and wove it into a tapestry or in, or corded it into a rope that kept going in the right direction. Yeah. To me, that is the story that helps us to understand how this works. It's not a theological answer per se, but it is Joseph's take on why he didn't get derailed in this process of so much bad stuff happening to him. Right, right. People nowadays have to have have to find a way to follow that model that Joseph has, first of all. Because we're dealing with two issues here. Because one, if everything that happens is God's will, yeah. I don't have to do anything. I mean, I can give myself an out and say I don't have to do anything. Or reverse is, it doesn't matter what I do. Yeah. I think uh, I, I think the, it's a complicated concept. And, you know, I think one of the things that fascinates me about God and just, uh, you know, spirituality in general is, um, you know, we are, we're physical creations trying to understand something far beyond us and you know i'm sure you could come up with the verses off the top of your head but there's a lot of verses about how we can't really comprehend god you know and uh, even to the point of i believe moses when wants to see see god and he says he'll pass by but you only see like a part of him and that's even overwhelming like right. just trying to grasp it is beyond our comprehension i think that's you know we're trying to understand something that just literally our minds can't comprehend um, but I think I love looking to science fiction to grab little bits of this. And my favorite interpretation of time travel, I think, is decently relevant. And it's been done a lot of places. But the one on the top of my head is, despite its weaknesses, Lost had a really interesting example of time travel. And spoiler alert for like a show that's really old that you should have watched by now. Um, <laughs> And in it, they in later seasons, they get into time travel where some of the characters start getting thrown in loops on this island where they're popping up way in the past. And what you start to see happen is some of these strange events that you've seen in the earlier seasons were actually caused by them. Where even some of these events, they wouldn't have done what they did except for that. And one in particular is a character ends up getting shot by his mother. And the only reason he went to the island to begin with was because of his mother had been there and had this traumatic experience. And so the fact that she shot him is what brought him there to get shot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, and the I think the thing I liked about that was all of them were doing exactly what they were. There wasn't like anything was forcing them to do this. This was their choices. It's just their choices actually caused other choices. And I think... 
in this story, you kind of see that bit of the loop of God knows all this is going to happen, but it didn't mean that he forced those brothers to do what they did. They did what they did because they wanted to. That was their free will. God just knew it. So he'd already found a way to weave that into his plan for making good. Right. He knew how he was going to use yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Is any of that useful? <laughs> Absolutely. This is a, this is a topic that is um, takes time to process mm-hmm. uh, at the personal level yeah. for personal faith, uh, because we each have our own stories. We each have things that happened to us that at times felt like there were all kinds of forces. I mean, if you want to put it in today's uh, language, Joseph was being abused. He was a victim of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, these are big issues even today. Yeah. Right. And how can God redeem it? And I'm not going to, I, I do want to just kind of insert Joseph's experience. Apparently is it's the little bit of narrative that we have about that. Never had the level of abuse and so often in human trafficking in our current time, yeah. The end result being death after a very short time. Right. That I don't want to I don't want to diminish what human trafficking is today. But Joseph Joseph did have forces beyond his control put on him by people. Yeah. That put him on a path that was a challenge for him to do with it. And again from a Bible teaching aspect you will hear a message or you'll hear messages from this story of Joseph in the terms of God gives you a dream Mm -hmm. and you talk to other people about your dream and some people get really annoyed with your dream. (laughs) Some people think you're stupid and crazy or arrogant or whatever or out of touch with reality. And there are going to be things that people will do to force you off of your path to pursue your dream. And depending on how strong that dream is and how clear it is to lining up with God's purposes for a person's life, because we do know because of the biblical record that there is a testimony that Joseph's dream was actually prophetic in nature and not something just his own desires. Right. And how we only are assuming that we don't know that for a fact. True. True. And so Joseph gets derailed many times for the fulfillment of his dream because the fulfillment of his dream actually came when he brought his brothers, when his brothers came to Egypt and then he had them go back and forth and he finally, they came the final time because he summoned them all to be there at the same time and they had right. to comply and they all bowed down to him. And at that point, his mind might've been dancing with, Oh, sheaves, sheaves, <laughs> bringing in the sheaves. That's an old uh, Christian hymn, you know. Really? Yeah. No. So if Joseph had been inclined to revenge right. and pettiness, that would have been it. But I, at that point, doubt. I mean, again, this is my assumption. I doubt if that was even a concern of Joseph's anymore. Right. And then the truth is that his second dream of the sun and the moon bowing down to him actually never happened in its entirety because his mother was dead by then. Oh, yeah. And she did not come to Egypt. His father did come, and his father began to show that kind of obeisance, that bowing down, and Joseph lunged forward and just grabbed him and, and wept on his shoulder. And so 
Of course, that was overwhelming. Because by then, his father wasn't surprised. His father already knew that he was going to be seeing Joseph. Right. Right. But he still felt the need to bow down to his own son because of the position that his son had. So Joseph's dreams came about. But think about this. This is a we can just we'll go on the side here. What's the purpose of a dream coming from God? The fulfillment of those dreams was not the end goal. The end right. goal, as Joseph says here in Genesis fifty twenty, is to bring about on this day to save many people alive. Yeah, so the dream was put there not so that he would know that he was going to eventually be important, but so that people's lives could be saved. Right. And that, again, we I think helps us answer this question about does everything happen is God's will, is God's will is that these big picture statements that people be saved. Right. Yeah. People, he doesn't want people to, to suffer. He doesn't want people to suffer injustice. But Joseph did suffer injustices. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you know, maybe an important note here, like any of these people could have done something else. Joseph could have given up at any point. And then what that good that God had hoped, you know, intended to happen could have been derailed by that. Well... Yes and no. <laughs> I hadn't thought about this until you just mentioned that. But you have the story of Esther in the Old Testament also, which she has a whole book named after her. So it's the book of Esther, and you can find that story. Yeah. Esther's, and I don't want to tell the whole story, but Esther ended up doing taking steps of action that preserved the lives of her nation, her people. Right. Her uncle, who had raised her because she'd been orphaned, he went to her because she was hesitant to take the step that was necessary to do that. She was afraid for her own life. And her uncle says, you know what? You have to choose what you're going to do. But whether you do the right thing now or not, God will still rescue these people. Just in a different manner. In a different manner. And you will have missed the opportunity to be all that God wants you to be. And to take advantage of the position that God has put you in. So I feel like that at the end of the day for us in this kind of conversation, we do have to pause and say, I may not be able to understand how all of this fits together, but what, what, is, what can I do? What is my response of love for God and for people? Yeah. Yeah, because I think that's the bottom line is our motivation needs to be the same thing as God's, that everyone is saved. Everyone comes to know God. That love is the bottom line, right? Absolutely. I, I think, I mean, I know you have a passion about that, and it's, it can drive our lives. Any of the, These are valid, valid questions that we're dealing with. The problem is that because we're not God, and yeah. we don't have God's wisdom, we are limited in how we can understand it, and then we can get sidetracked with trying to one, come up with the answer. Second, being convinced that I've got the right answer. And third, then I've got to go around and yeah. correct everybody else that doesn't have my right answer. What's What verse is about the dim mirror? The what? The, oh, the, looking in a mirror dimly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. what verse is Yeah, that? James chapter 1 talks about that. If you look into the Word of God, it's like you're looking in a, in, a, in a mirror that's dim, which is the only kind of mirrors they had in the first century. Right. There wasn't the... Nobody had come up with putting black paint on the back of a piece of glass right, yet, right. as a mirror. <laughs> Hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that verse, you know, I think that one it encourages me a lot when I try to, when I get confused and just like have no idea. It's just, 
remember, yeah, we're not supposed to be, a, you know, we, we aren't equipped to see everything clearly right now. So it's okay to have confusion because... Well, and we weren't meant to be doing life alone. I, you know, I don't know how many times I'm going to say this in these podcasts, but the safeguard to me is you have this community of believers that you're bouncing things off of and you're helping each other and seeing other people's view. Then that helps more for me not to get off track in my beliefs yeah. and in what I'm going to do, or what I think I'm supposed to do or not do. Yeah, I think even, you know, just with the the three of us here, we have very different strengths and uh, we help balance each other out when we when we have these conversations even. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great example of that. Yeah. Joseph's story is very intricate because it also includes his choice of totally submitting and making successful, like, for example, the first boss that he had after he was sold into slavery. Right. His first boss that he had... Even though, why would Joseph care about whether, uh, you know, Potiphar's business and his household succeeded or not? We don't know much about it. He was a general in the army, so he had some type of stuff going on. And so Joseph went ahead and and invested right. in the life of a non-believer. Yeah. But, and, and so you'd say, well, he didn't have any convictions. He's just going with the flow. In that sense... Yes, but then we discover when his interactions with Potiphar's wife right. that Joseph did have convictions about that she, that he was not to have sex with her and that she should actually be faithful to her husband. And so it would be wrong for him to do that, which I might just insert here. The Ten Commandments have not been given yet at this point. So Joseph <laughs> wasn't going with thou shalt not commit adultery as a commandment. Ah. This is a cultural rule that he was going by, not a clear mm-hmm. statement from God. Sometimes people forget about when the Ten Commandments were actually given. And so Joseph then does not compromise his inner conviction. What he feels God wants him to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's always this this interplay that we have to trust because Joseph would be, if Joseph was totally focused on his dream, which at this point, I don't even know how he could think that could be fulfilled. Yeah. In the, in the path that he was on. Yeah. He may never see his family again from all he knows. And so he just does the right thing mm-hmm. and so when we're i get the the challenge is when we we it is good for us to think about is everything happening right now around me god's will that's a good question to ask but sometimes we can ask it for so long and get go down a rabbit hole on that that we forget about what do i need to do today yeah what's the good thing in front of me that's yeah mm-hmm. that's the important question right so we've referenced two Old Testament stories, Esther, Esther very lightly, Joseph a little more detail, and Genesis fifty twenty, which is like the, one of those verses that somebody ought to really meditate on, is, has a parallel in the New Testament. And it's a parallel that comes with Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And I actually put it here, I, I'd like us to read it from the J.B. Phillips paraphrase and so Sandy's going to do that for us I think All right. we know that to those who love God who are called according to his plan everything that happens fits into a pattern for good so that's that's the big picture thing that when God is interacting with people and people are interacting with God or just independently of God right. that God has a way through his great 
power and his his ability to work in the hearts of people and to influence, to make things move the direction they need to or to end up in the pattern that it needs to so that it's doing good for mankind and working toward the ultimate objective that God has for that. Nice. So examples of that nowadays um, would be like parenting. Yeah. Uh, with children and trying to move them toward a goal, trying to help them to get life skills or even just to enjoy some creativity. Like, right. You know. Building Legos. Building Legos, yes. I, I had a lot of experience. I don't have kids, but building Legos with my nieces before they were really at the age level that they were ready to do. It, it was an interesting experience. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they had already knew the snap togetherness because they played with Duplos. Exactly. Yes. This is like, we should be getting some, you know, like money, yes. advertising money for this. <laughs> yep. But then the, going to like actually having the sets and the instructions and trying to get the castle look the way it's supposed to. Right. And as your nieces, our granddaughters, look at that and they kind of go, oh, that's fun, you know, and they're trying to maybe build it. And it depends on how committed they are to the overall scheme of it. Uh, but once they are kind of committed that then you or whoever's working adult working with them has to decide am i going to let them struggle along with this and make something that's not quite there but close enough that they feel good about it right and that they are developing yeah and again we can see that happening with maybe joseph's story that god was developing him Mm -hmm. uh but legos are a great model because they can be very precise and intricate and detailed and teensy tiny pieces and all of this hinging stuff and even motors and all this kind of stuff in the more complex sets. But at the entry level and even at the growing level, it's a way to grow it and yeah. to, to move that direction. And even then, because we have these pre-printed photographic type plans that we're supposed to duplicate identically. Yeah. Actually, my opinion is that God doesn't approach our lives that way. Right. That it's like an absolute intricate blueprint. That would be, for my taste and my understanding, too much determinism for yeah. the individual choices. And so it would be build a castle. Right. Here's the exact plan of how you can make a castle look like this picture or build a castle. Nice. And by trial and error and by growth, a person can develop an aspect that build their lives to be uniquely their imprint with God's overall direction and care nice. in their lives. And that's how I look at it. Yeah, I like that. So uh, a verse that helps us to think that besides the Romans uh, 2.28 is generally this verse, which is sounds more like just an inspirational verse, but Philippians in, in a little letter by Paul, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, it says... Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice, for the Lord is near. And of course, in the Bible, especially in New Testament letters, there's usually not a there's usually not a command given if there's not a problem being addressed. And so, mm-hmm. why would you say to a church, "Rejoice in the Lord always," unless they were really struggling to rejoice in the Lord always? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is not so. The reason. To ultimately to be able to rejoice in the Lord always is because the Lord is near. And that would be like near to you in your heart, yeah. near to you within your environment, near to you within the sense of a love relationship. He is close to you. And that's the motivation to rejoice in the Lord. Even though, do Joseph's story, do our own stories, it may be very much turmoil, it may be very painful at the moment, but to grab a hold of 
the Lord is near is critical to being able to implement this worldview, which is that not everything, not every detail that happens is God's, but God's got his plan in it and he's got his hand in it. And not just his hand, because that sounds very detached, <laughs> but he is near. He himself is with you through whatever you're going through. Nice. So I think those are big, big deals. So we could summarize this. There's, there are some ways to, uh, to summarize this. And I am going to ask Sandy to just read this because these are three in more modern type phrasing, but old theological concepts that have been wrestled with through the centuries by theologians. And we've, I've paraphrased these so that it works a little bit better for us. But with everything that happens falls within the will of God in one of three senses. So I want to ask Sandy if she'll lead us out on that. It may line up with God's desired purpose. It may be lined up with God's and humans decision slash action. It may happen by a human's decision and God's permission. That's a big topic, but to summarize what we've been talking about, everybody against eventually filters this out. And so what these things are saying is, one, some things happen and it's just like, it's almost like God is absolutely directing this thing, mm-hmm. this course of action. It seems to be beyond even human interaction. Or natural laws. Second is this interplay of humans making decisions and God making decisions, humans acting and God acting, and they are like tracks on a on a rail. They're parallel, going the right direction, in sync with each other. And the third one is that things happen because humans decide it and God is just allowing it. And again, it feels maybe it feels like semantics to yeah. some people. To have a, a God who is the absolute creator and one who initiated everything, and then to still allow for human free will, this, in a logical sense, rational sense, has to be part of the story. That things happen because people decide to do it, they're free to do it, but God would not have initiated that course of action at all because it's wrong. Because the scriptures do tell us in summaries, like in James, it says, God does not tempt people with evil. There is no evil in God. And so when we say that a human action that is evil is actually God's will Mm -hmm. is to attribute to God evil, logically speaking. And the the scripture writers recognize that. So you have to come into a, a view that says God allows or permits certain things to happen while at the same time guiding the overall direction of where this is going. And that's a tough, tough answer because when we are hurting or when our loved ones have been hurt, traumatized, we would, at those moments, in our agony, want God to just back it up, intervene, Mm -hmm. and take away human free will. Yeah. But we don't want to live that way all the time. But in those moments... And that's why, that's why this conversation is a frequent conversation. So, not everything that happens is God's will. But everything that people do, and also that everything that people do is not God's will. And that's important to remember. Right. People are acting out of their own free will. Sometimes it's lined up with God's will. Sometimes it's not. And so, again, one of the fundamental Christian 
prayers is the one that Jesus taught his disciples that we now call the Lord's Prayer. What is one aspect, one part of that prayer is... Forgive us our trespasses? That. Lead us not into temptation? That's part of it. <laughs> it's about God's will. Yep. <laughs> now I'm blind. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come, come thy, thy will. will be done. Why would Jesus teach us to pray that if... God's will was being done anyhow. Yeah, no matter uh, what we did. So if we have to ask that God's will be done, that means we are asking God to, in moments, help humans who are in, t- in tune with him to really understand his will and to do it. Nice. And so I think, again, this, this we're talking about from the question to the answer Something as fundamental to Christian faith as the Lord's Prayer contains in one phrase the answer to this question. And if we do that, and we grow in that acceptance and grow in that uh, responsibility to ask God to act while we are also acting, then obviously we're knowing God better all along the way. So, yeah, it's a great question. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Um, If you want to read more about this or just... uh, Anything else that we've been talking about, uh, remember to check out TonyKafka.com. We have some great blogs there that uh, Dad has written. And we love hearing from you, hearing your comments and thoughts on these. And you can always hit us up at NoGod at TonyKafka.com. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D at TonyKafka.com. Thanks for joining us.